I think it must have been in about 1976 that I was doing one of the first chapel services that I used to do for the St. Louis Cardinals, and the visiting team that day was the Montreal Expos. And one of the persons that I immediately felt uh, compelled uh, to get to know was the most, one of the most exuberant, engaging players on the Montreal Expos. He was a young catcher whose nickname was Kid. He played, the reason they called him Kid is he played with a childlike passion. He had that special smile. And as we talked, it was evident that he had a vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. I'm speaking of none other than Gary Carter, who was 11 years with the Expos and then traded to the Mets after the 1984 season. He was instrumental in helping the Mets beat Boston in the 1986 World Series. Listen to these words from Gary Carter in his acceptance speech into the Major League Hall of Fame, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York on July 27, 2003. I quote, I want to take the time to thank the most important people in my life. Above all, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A verse which spoke to me while I was writing my speech and kind of explains what it's all about comes from Psalm 118. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find perfect protection. He is my shield and the strength of my salvation and my stronghold. I will call on the Lord who is worthy of praise. First three verses of Psalm 118. Then he goes on to say, I praise the Lord my God, my best friend, for giving me the ability, the desire, the love, and the guidance that has brought me here today. Without you speaking to God, I would be nothing. Shortly after I read those words about a year ago, I read similar words from Gary Carter, but this time it was on the occasion of the announcement of the diagnosis of brain cancer, which was in an advanced stage. He spoke with the same kind of typical passion about God's care and strength. In his very last public appearance at his celebrity golf outing in the wintertime before he died on February 16th of this year, Surrounded by many of his old teammates, he once again, with the same genuine passion, talked about finding strength in the God of David, the one who had written the words of Psalm 118. This morning, we're going to look back once again upon the life of David as we continue this series, After God's Own Heart. Last week, we talked about how David and his loyal band of 600 men fled from King Saul and then found sanctuary with their arch enemies, the Philistines. Then they're rejected by the Philistines when they are preparing to do battle with Israel. As men without a country, at the end of chapter 29, they are making a hard three-day trip from the Philistines who are up in Aphek all the way down to Siglag where they've left their families and possessions. That's where we pick up the story in our passage for this morning, 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 18. 
Just before I read it, I might mention that this passage has meant a lot to me through the years. I can remember one time when I, I don't know whether it was doing an assignment or I was just reading through 1 Samuel, and this passage just spoke to me in a very significant manner at that point in, in time. And I pray that it comes alive for you today, too. Listen to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 8. Listen for the word of the Lord. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Nagab and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men went to Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But... David found strength in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Halimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and his men were on the very bottom. Moving as quickly as possible, the dejected David and his men can't wait to get back home to their families and their home, away from home, Siglag. I don't know about you, but I think I can relate to that. After disappointment, after rejection, after failure or turmoil of any kind, going home, to my wife, Alice, is like my place of safety and understanding. In difficult days, there is no place of greater respite than home where I can rest my troubled mind. In difficult days, it's there that I'm accepted, I'm supported, even though maybe it's been my fault, even though I've made mistakes and maybe I've failed. So it must have been with David and his men. Their anticipation heightened as they got closer and closer to Ziglag, a few miles off, they see a few wisps of smoke on the horizon. At first, they weren't very concerned, but the closer they got to Ziglag, the more apprehensive they became. And when they traversed the last hill and looked down into the valley, their worst fears were realized. There were the charred remains of their dwellings. In panic, they raced toward the places where they had said their last goodbyes and discovered everyone and everything missing. They seemed to know immediately that this was the work of their enemies, the Amalekites. Emotions were high with all that they had just been through. Being rejected and without a country is one thing, but to have your family, your wife and children, violently taken away is quite another thing, and it's much, much more difficult. 
Verse 4 tells us that David and his men wept aloud until they had no more strength to weep. Have you ever been in that situation? I can think of a situation like that. My sister Sue is a couple years younger than I am, and she never particularly liked school. She wanted to get married and have a family. She couldn't wait to have children. Hers was the first wedding I performed, her wedding ceremony shortly after she was out of high school. It wasn't long, and I heard the great news that she was pregnant. She was so excited. A couple of months before her due date, there were complications, and the baby was born prematurely, just over a pound, and the baby died a couple days later. I'll never forget coming home from college, going into her room and seeing the look on her face. Her eyes were puffy and red, and uh, you could see that she had no more strength to cry. So it must have been with David and his men. They couldn't get any lower. That was the last straw. How could things get worse? If you've been there, you can begin to imagine what it must have been like for them that day. David finds himself incredibly alone. For David, things did get worse. Even David's men began to turn on him, his loyal men, all of a sudden needing someone to blame and hold responsible for their horrendous loss. David is the only one left. If it had not been for him, they wouldn't be in this place in the first place. If he, they had left someone behind to guard their most precious ones, and David didn't think about that, it was all David's fault. David now is at the lowest point he had ever been. He literally has nothing at all. Everything has been ripped away from him. He's incredibly alone. He was as alone as any person could possibly be. Are you feeling alone today? Sometimes the loneliest places in the world are where there are hundreds of people. I can remember as a college student walking in and walking to and from work in the vast valley of skyscrapers in the loop of downtown Chicago. Each time the light changed, it seemed like there were armies of people marching toward each other, and you wondered how they'd all squeeze in so that they wouldn't be out in the bustling traffic. Each person seemed to be in a world of his own. There could be no emotion expressed as you passed, as you look forward with that stoic look on your face, that blank stare that you were supposed to have, which everyone had. I remember being around so many people, and as a country boy, I was thinking, but I've never felt more alone than with all these people. Sometimes busy churches like ours can be the loneliest places in the world. We have our church masks, which we often put on, we've learned to wear. We've got our spiritual greetings, which we've become accustomed to speaking to one another. Yet deep down in our hearts, sometimes we feel incredibly alone. Maybe you're single, and you see all of those couples, and you feel alone. Maybe you're childless, and you see all the children up here and their families, and you feel alone. Maybe you've lost a husband or a wife to death or divorce, 
and you're feeling alone. Maybe you're an empty nester and you're feeling alone. Possibly you've lost your job and you're feeling alone. Maybe you're an older person and you rarely see your family anymore. They just don't come by and you really feel alone today. Maybe you've done something wrong which you haven't confessed and dealt with and you're feeling separated from God in one way or another and you're feeling alone. Maybe you're in the throes of depression and you're feeling alone. Maybe you're addicted to something or someone and have not admitted it to anyone and you're feeling alone today. Maybe you're on the edge of some momentous decision which only you can make and you feel alone. Oh, if you're incredibly alone today, don't deny it. Don't run from it like maybe you've done in the past. Don't try to blame someone else. Face it this morning. While the church with its hundreds of people can be a place of very real aloneness, by God's grace, it can also be a place of greatest hope where we can meet God. David found strength in the Lord his God. In his moment of deepest aloneness, the most alone he had ever felt, David goes to his reservoir of strength, to the one who had always been there in the past. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, we read these simple yet profoundly instructive words, but David found strength in the Lord his God. That but, which denotes an important contrast at the very beginning, we see in many places in Scripture. Instead of succumbing to self-pity, instead of trying to run as fast as possible in the other direction, instead of denying the situation, instead of shaking his fist at God, in contrast, David found strength in the Lord his God. Please note, turning to God at a very difficult time is nothing new for David. He first met this same God in his early years in Jesse's home in Bethlehem. He had built a relationship with this God during the long hours of herding sheep out in the Galilean hillside. And I got to tell you, it was as a child, as I've mentioned so, time, so many times before, the age of some of these kids, that I began that relationship. And I can't tell you how important it is to be involved in the lives of children like this so that they, like David, can hearken back and find strength in the Lord. That relationship with God had been shaped and molded on the anvil of experience. He had confronted the impossible odds of taking on a raging lion and a battling bear. I mean, David had found that it was impossible to think that he could take on Goliath, and yet with God's help, he did. David had seen marvelous works of God in a myriad of ways as he remained alive when King Saul chased after him. God was not just some nice bedtime story character he heard about when he was a child. God was not some theological theory. David found strength in the Lord his God. There was a relationship on which David could depend, on which David could draw upon during his moments of deepest aloneness. I like the words of Philip Keller in his book about David when he says, David was at the point of extremity. There was no place to turn. 
nowhere to f- turn, no, nowhere to flee. Only God remained. David finds strength when he turns to the Lord. In himself, he is totally powerless. He had nothing left to give anyone. He couldn't go a step further by himself. But there was strength to be found in the Lord, the one who had created him and knew him better than he understood himself. He found strength in the Lord, who truly was the architect of his life and the one who would ultimately determine his fate. So David turns to the priest through the common method of the day and culture. David heard God tell him to chase after, to pursue the Amalekites. In a wonderful manner, David recognizes and heeds God's voice, as do his faithful band of men. Today, if you're feeling alone, maybe if there's no one or only a few people at least to understand and care about your particular situation, you too can find strength in the Lord. But it all begins with a relationship with the God who created knows, understands, and cares about you more than anyone else. Let me be quick to add, if you don't have a relationship with our great Creator God, you can have one today, even right now. All relationships have a place of beginning. By faith, in the midst of your feelings of aloneness, you can come to God just as you are, find forgiveness for your sins, and find a living hope based upon an eternal relationship which can never be severed. As was true for David in his greatest moment of need, that relationship becomes a journey of faith on which you will never be alone again. There will be people over by the cross at the alcove to my right afterwards who would love to explain to you how you can enter into that life-changing life-enriching relationship. Let me know afterwards if you would like to begin a series of conversations or Pat or the other pastors or elders, and it would be our joy to share with you from our own experiences how that relationship can begin. Maybe you've already entered into that relationship, and, but in your aloneness need to reach deep today into that reservoir of strength which God promises each one of us. I'll never forget being in Southern California in the summer of 1978 when I heard Robert Schuller tell about an event that took place in his family that very summer. With a great emotion and tears, he shared the story of how he and his wife Arvella were traveling to Korea. And while in Korea, their teenage daughter Carol was in a bad motorcycle accident while staying with their extended family in Iowa. Carol was riding with her cousin and she was thrown from the cycle into a ditch, severely breaking her leg. The worst part of the ditch was that it was next to a meatpacking plant where some of the refuge had been allowed to drain. Since the skin was broken, she immediately had a horrible infection. The only way to save her life was to amputate her leg. The decision had to be made and implemented before Carol's parents could be there or even talk to her by phone. Dr. Schuler told us about the horrible panic and pain which he and Mrs. Schuler experienced as they flew those thousands of miles as quickly as they could back home. 
Carol was the athlete in their family. How would she ever get along? How would she ever adjust? How would she ever accept it? They desperately needed to be with their daughter. When they arrived, not knowing what what they would find, they found something truly amazing. Carol had entered into such a relationship of faith with the living Creator God, even though she was young. When she was most alone and most helpless, she experienced God's faithfulness. She drew on God's deep reservoir of strength, not only then, but at the beginning of that season of need, during those early days of rehabilitation. Dear friends, in every bit as real a manner, God deeply desires for each one of us to be in that same kind of relationship of faith. We will never be alone and will have His strength in our moments of greatest need. Based upon personal experience and not just theory, God wants to give you strength today. No matter how alone you may feel, I invite you to turn to Him like David did and allow Him to give you the strength and the guidance you need for all of the difficult moments of your life. The last piece is this. God turned a terrible trial into a tremendous triumph. While there are several lessons and probably several sermons that we could preach from the last part of this chapter, I'm not going to do that, gratefully. Instead, I just want to summarize what happened. First, somehow, some way, God gave David and his men who were completely depleted the courage and the strength to pursue the Amalekites. However, when it came to a difficult ravine that they were supposed to traverse, 200 of the men said, we're too tired, we can't do it. So David graciously left them behind. Then, comes, then they come upon an Egyptian slave who had been discarded by the Amalekites. After David cares for his needs, water and food, the slave leads them to the encampment of the Amalekites, who in celebration of their victory are partying and are quite drunk, letting down their guards. They're confident that all of the Israelites and Philistines are up north, ready to do battle with each other. They are safe and much, much richer. To make a long story short, David and his 400 men catch the Amalekites by surprise, utterly defeat them, and regain all their families and possessions. But more than that, they are the recipients of the considerable plunder which the Amalekites had amassed in their very successful campaign. Proving that it was God who had given them victory, David insists over the objections of many of his faithful warriors that they give an equal share of the plunder to those 200 men who were too worn out to go. And to go a step even further, David sends a portion of the spoils to the Israelites who had been pursuing him and tried to destroy him. In both of those actions of extravagant grace, David wonderfully demonstrates that he is a man after God's own heart. In the classic story, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl writes these famous words from his experience in the Nazi concentration camps of World War II. We who, loved, we who lived in the concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, 
giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken away from a man but one thing, the last of his freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Oh, dear friends, David had chosen well. First, he found strength in the Lord his God. He had the courage to pursue the enemy and then the grace to share the gifts which many did not deserve. Today, as we mentioned, you may be feeling incredibly alone and discouraged. It may seem like everything's been taken away from you and that your life may be out of control. But remember this. Like David, you always have the ability to choose to turn to a loving God who created you and who wants to bring you strength. I challenge you to do that today. The story is told of Admiral Byrd living by himself for five months in a small shack in Antarctica. Blizzards blew around his hut, and the temperatures were sometimes as cold as 82 degrees below zero, a little bit different than outside. Then he was terrified by a sudden discovery. Carbon monoxide was escaping from his stove. Try as hard as he could. Bird was unable to fix it. In fact, when he tried to repair it, it was all, he was almost overcome by the fumes. If he turned off the stove, he would freeze to death in a short time. The nearest help was 123 miles away, and it would take months for them to get there. He lost his ability to eat or to sleep and, so, and was so weak that he just stayed in bed. Incredibly alone, Admiral Byrd was forced to seek a power higher than his own. He reached out in prayers and experienced the loving touch of the presence of God. And in his diary, he wrote, I am not alone. Bird knew the one who loved him deeply all the time, bringing him a peace that would lead him to face the future with true spiritual strength. Like David, Admiral Byrd found strength in the Lord his God. So it can be for you, dear friends. God can bring you strength. Now, frankly, for many of you today, you might say, that was fine that you mentioned all that, but that's not where I am. Maybe your life's going quite well, frankly. There aren't too many blips on the screen. And if that's the case, I would encourage you more than ever to turn to God or continue to turn to God and grow in your relationship with Him. That growing relationship will include Bible study, prayer, fellowship with others like here, worship, service to others. As you grow in your relationship with God, you are preparing for a day when you may be as incredibly alone as David was that day. You will be able to find strength in the Lord your God. Again, let me be quick to say that for any reason you would like to speak to someone afterwards, there will be people at the cross in the alcove to my right, and they would consider it a privilege to listen and pray with you. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for the way that you meet us in all times and seasons, grateful for the example of David, who was a man after your own heart. 
grateful that he found his strength in you, even in the most impossible situation. Oh God, I pray for each person here. If there are those who don't have that kind of relationship with you but want it, give them the courage even this day to initiate that, to choose to follow you, to become a Christ follower this day. And God, I pray that you would help all of us as we think of those around us to help them as they build their relationship with you, to help them to grow and develop so that whatever comes their way, they can find strength in you, the Lord, their God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.